This is BYU Sports Nation, brought to you by the BYU Store, simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B, your hosts, Spencer Linton and Jason Shepard. BYU Sports Nation is live. Your day-to-day play-by-play in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Friday, April 9th, wherever and however you're connected, great to have you with us. I'm Spencer Linton alongside a man who, frankly, nobody is safe around when he's on a golf course, Jason Shepard. Yes, look, uh, we have discussed this. We mentioned it again yesterday. I am not a golf guy, but I can certainly relate, uh, if I were a golf guy, to mm-hmm. probably hitting people not on the course, <laughs> uh, which is what Rory McIlroy did. Hitting his dad, a shot hit his, hit his pops. At the Masters. Right in the leg. Right in the leg. What are the odds of that, honestly? And then his caddy was like, did you just hit your dad? He's like, yeah, I think I just hit my dad. (laughs) What are the odds, number one, that, you know, I mean, the odds are obviously higher that you would just hit a random person. What are the odds that you would hit your dad? Well, there are limited patrons there this year, too. But still, fewer numbers, and you hit your dad, of all people. But the funny thing is, I think it actually improved Rory's lie. I think he had a better angle into the green because of the way the ball caromed off of his dad's calf. Like, if I, if I were his dad, I'd be like, oh, that really hurt. I'm going to need a, <laughs> I don't know, you want to settle out of court? Are we, uh, 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 get... Son, I was really liking that Maserati we yeah. were looking at. Yeah, you know, I would really make this feel better. <laughs> He'd leverage it into something. You gotta leverage that into something. A better birthday gift. <laughs> Christmas. Let's let's be honest. It's already April. Christmas is gonna be it. here before we know it. I love it so much. And Rory McElroy is like the nicest guy ever. He's super approachable, superstar. Uh so I'm sure that he would go along for something like that, Jason. You know? You, look, you never know. Yeah, look, when you've got when you're when you're at that point and you probably have not probably, when you have the money where you could drop it on a Maserati for your dad, you're doing all right. <laughs> By the way, when are we playing golf? When are you going to get on the golf course and do this, Jason? Um, uh, maybe Monday, April never. Okay. All uh, right. It's never happening? Look, I, I, I've, never, I've never been on the golf course yet. Why would I start now? I've wow. been to the driving range one time. And I've been to Top Golf once. How was Top Golf? Well, I was with you guys. Oh, that's right, you were. <laughs> um, yeah, it's fine, but that's not golf. <laughs> that's more, you know. Okay, fair enough. Like I can get into that. Fair enough. But I, like, yeah, I'm just not. I'm just not golf guy. Look, there are people who are not things. That maybe uh-huh. they don't like. Maybe they don't like baseball. Well, okay. I love baseball, so okay. I think that's crazy. So I understand people who love golf that think I'm crazy. For not being a golf guy. But look, we all have things we like and we don't like. It's called, you know, everybody being their own person. Uh-huh. All right. Okay, it's clear. Let the record show that Jason <laughs> Shepard will never play golf. It's just Fine. not my thing. I was going to pay for you and buy you lunch and all that stuff. But uh, hey, well, whatever. can we just do the lunch? <laughs> it's a package deal, Jason. Wow. Also, our show lineup is a package deal. And uh, we're definitely going to be involved in... Discussions of the pressure on the BYU quarterbacks following Zach Wilson. He put up an all-time year. So should Baylor, Romney, Jaron Hall, and Jacob Conover be feeling an added measure of pressure because of what Wilson and company did in 2020? Cam Miller of SB Nation joins us. Speaking of Zach Wilson and the guy who was the first to drive that hype train, we ask him, who's the next off-the-radar BYU football player that he's ready to drive the hype train for now and what 
Zach Wilson needs in New York to succeed. Plus, Mitch McIntyre of BYU Baseball on a game day and BYU football's new home away from home. Bring on today's BYUSN headlines. Tickets for BYU football season opener in Las Vegas against Arizona go on sale next week. Now, according to BYU Tickets, members of the Athletic Director Circle and Legacy Club will have first dibs on tickets coming up on April 13th, followed by other club members on April 14th. The general public will have the opportunity to buy tickets on April 16th. Mark that on your calendars. BYU versus Arizona scheduled for September 4th at Allegiant Stadium. They opened the roof yesterday in Las Vegas for what the stadium's account called sunbathing. (laughs) All right. So apparently there's some sunbathing now at uh, Darth Vader's hangout. So look, why not? It's Vegas. It's hot. Lots of sun. Number two ranked BYU men's volleyball heads to number six UCLA. Battle of a couple of top teams in the MPSF. A win for the Cougars in any of their final two games against UCLA will secure a regular season MPSF title, which would mark head coach Sean Olmstead's fourth in the last five full seasons. That matchup scheduled for 8 p.m. Eastern. Good luck to the Cougars. BYU baseball dropped game one of their three-game series against Portland last night. Game two tonight at 8 p.m. Eastern on BYU TV, the BYU TV app, and BYU Radio. We will be joined by BYU Baseball's Mitch McIntyre coming up a little bit later on in the show. BYU softball opens up West Coast Conference play with a three-game series in Moraga against St. Mary's. The Cougars have won five games in a row, including a sweep over number 25 Baylor. Scheduled for 6 p.m. Eastern start. Good luck for the ladies against the Gales today in Game 1. This headline is crazy. The NCAA announced that there will be no live coverage of the first two rounds of the women's volleyball tournament. The NCAA cited COVID-related restrictions and technical challenges as reasons why the decision was made. So no coverage of the first two rounds of the collegiate postseason. Are we not in a scenario where we have figured out how to at least stream something and use remote broadcasters? Look, I don't understand the, yeah, this. Yeah, this at one all. This one doesn't. This one doesn't hold water. I, I understand what they said, but there's been enough. We'll, we'll get into this a little bit later on. There's been plenty of examples of how to do this that the the explanation doesn't ring true. To oh, yeah, are we not in a scenario and far enough into this? That we can figure something out? You could do this on an iPhone, quite frankly. Gravy. Just not a good look. Even for the track record of the NCAA, it just gets worse. And it doesn't help that they're already under fire for several other reasons, including the weight room situation for what happened in the men's and women's basketball tournaments. Okay, as Jason mentioned, we'll discuss more of that later. BYU Women's Soccer takes on Pepperdine tomorrow on the road. Michaela Coulihan was just named the fourth best player in the entire country, according to Top Drawer Soccer. We shouldn't be that surprised. She was the 14th pick in the National Women's Soccer League draft. Maybe she's improving her status there or with uh, the national team. Don't know. Game scheduled for 3 p.m. Eastern. You can listen on BYU Radio. Good luck to the ladies as they pursue another WCC title. Yeah, voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel on the call. Track and field continues their season at the Jim Click Invitational at the University of Arizona. 
and the Utah State Aggies Invitational. The Utah State Aggies Invitational scheduled for a 6 p.m. Eastern start. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. An all-time season in 2020 for Zach Wilson and BYU football. That said, Jason, with all of the pressure that Zach Wilson took on and then succeeded at, what does that do for the next class of BYU quarterbacks? How much pressure do Jacob Conover and Jaron Hall and Baylor Romney feel, or should they feel, based on what Zach Wilson did? Well, the, the quick answer to the question is how much will they feel. That's going to depend on the individual player. That is an individual thing on whether or not a player actually allows themselves to feel pressure. There will always be pressure on a starting quarterback, regardless of where you play. Obviously, here at BYU, and because of BYU's track record, not just with Zach, but because of BYU's long history at the quarterback position, there will always be extra attention on a BYU quarterback. But yes, I think after what Zach did last year and what fans saw was possible with this offense, there will be certain expectations that whoever the starter is... Unfair or not. Unfair or not, there will be expectations that whoever the starter is comes in and at least duplicates what Zach Wilson does. And, and quite frankly, that's not fair to Baylor, to Jaron, Jacob, you know, again, whoever, because all they can do is be themselves. And again, I think this really does boil down to how each individual player handles that outside pressure. Do they allow it in to where they feel it? Or is it something that they can block off and say, you know what, I can't control everybody else's expectations. All I can control is how I prepare and what I do to get ready for a game. So a lot of that is going to depend on them themselves, but there will, there is no question after that type of offensive performance, not just from Zach, but from we saw from the offense in general, there are certain expectations outside from fans, whatever, and media to see that type of production again. The position by nature carries pressure specifically the starting quarterback. Think about the backup quarterbacks and how they're treated by the fan base. They're like the most beloved, fun-loving, favorite player on the entire roster because they don't have any immediate pressure on them. It was Tanner Mangum to Taysom Hill. It was Christian Stewart to Taysom Hill before Christian Stewart then took over. But talking with Christian, it's interesting to uh, discuss the change of how the fan base reacted to him once he became the guy. It just carries innate pressure. And if anything, in relation to Zach, he was so good that I'm already telling myself, hey, if BYU gets even 75% of what Zach Wilson did with the BYU offense last year, then the Cougars are going to win a lot of football games and it's going to be great. BYU fans should be thrilled with even 75%. So let's quantify that. Zach Wilson and the offense produced 43 touchdowns, 33 passing, 10 rushing, just by Zach. So 75% of that, Jason, would be 31 touchdowns. Would you be okay with a combined 31 touchdowns between passes and rushes from the quarterback alone? Yeah. It'd be amazing, Yes, absolutely. He only gave away the ball three times, three interceptions, no fumbles. So even if that goes up to around eight or nine, you still have 31 total touchdowns and eight or nine interceptions. That's a three-to-one touchdown 
to giveaway ratio, which is a fantastic number. And I almost feel bad for wanting that, you know, just 75%. But by nature, the position carries pressure. That's why they, these guys sign up for it. They, they want this. But not everybody can handle it. Right. Some thrive on it. Some kind of tuck under the pressure, and it just is, is too much. But I like that all three quarterbacks that are in the running to start at BYU are very different players. I think Baylor Romney is probably the best suited to handle the pressure based on his even keel mentality, just how he handles things. He's got starts. He stepped into pressure situations and delivered. He beat Boise State, beat Liberty, came in, replaced Jaron Hall after Jaron Hall had the best first half ever in his career against Utah (laughs) State, and then Baylor closed out the game decisively. So I, I think he's probably best suited from a mental standpoint to handle the pressure. But all three are going to handle it differently. Conover's the ultimate competitor. Doesn't seem to be doesn't afraid seem like of anything. anything. Phases him. He just needs reps. Right. And Jaron Hall, with pressure on, is one of those explosive players. It might make him run a little bit faster or break a few more tackles, like that adrenaline push that, that he gets from the type of quarterback he is. So I'm fascinated by all this and how different all the quarterbacks will handle the pressure that, without a doubt, is being heaped upon them because of what Zach Wilson did. But just manage the expectations. My, my bit of advice, you can expect a lot. Don't expect Zach Wilson. It just, it's totally unfair. And the schedule gets harder too, Jason. So how can BYU fans in their right mind collectively think, hey, we're going to have another Zach Wilson season when BYU's playing seven Power 5 programs? Okay, that is a very rational thought. <laughs> At what point do you believe rational thought will play in this? <laughs> I'm doing my best to institute some yes. of that here. All right, topic number two. In honor of the Masters, obviously, Augusta is one of those places that you ask anybody, where do you want? Like, that's probably going to come up more than any other. Or certain, certainly at the top of everyone's list of sure. places to play. Sure. Which got us thinking about, from the BYU side of things, what non-BYU arena or field would you consider to be sort of sacred ground? That, that, that place that's like, oh, yeah, if BYU could play there, like, wow, that's big time. Sure. BYU basketball just visited one. Hmm? Hinkle Fieldhouse in Indianapolis, Indiana. You got to be there. For the NCAA tournament. I walked in the building. I'm not kidding you. It felt magical. Did you, did you measure the rims? I did. Ten feet exactly. <laughs> 15 feet to the free throw line, which you will find are the exact measurements that the Hickory Huskers enjoy in their own personal gym. Okay? Thank you very much, Coach. You're welcome. It was magical, Jason. Just soaking in the scenery. Um, the, the Butler Fieldhouse, now Hinkle Fieldhouse, named after uh, one of Butler's great athletic directors, is an all-time venue. There's been so much history that the NCAA tournament hadn't been there in like 70-plus years. So for them to host games there this year – in the Hoosier State, that that was so special. Even though the game was a dud for BYU, the experience was incredible for those that were able to get into the building. For me, uh, there were there were three that came to mind immediately. Uh, all three actually football. So the first one that came to mind was being able to, and look, and, and BYU has has had an opportunity to go to some of these. Okay, Notre Dame came to mind first. Yeah, they've been there a bunch of they've times. Been, they've been there several times. That's that's just. Playing at Notre Dame, and it's not just the field. It's everything about Notre Dame. It's just all-encompassing. It's amazing. I saw a game there, and Cody Hoffman is still open, by the way. Yes, he is. The Big House was also 
the second one that came to mind. The third one was the L.A. Coliseum. Okay. Those are the three that really came to mind in terms of these places in college football that it's like, okay, that, that's an important place. That's, that is a larger-than-life place to go sure. and be in the atmosphere. So those are the three, Notre Dame, Big House, and the L.A. Coliseum are the ones that I came up with. I would love for BYU to visit uh, Krzyzewskiville and playing Cameron Indoor Stadium cool. against Duke. I think that's another of the uh, sacred ground opportunities. And I know your answers are specific to football. Notre Dame is a fantastic answer. BYU's been to Alabama, and that was cool. I don't know that that has reached sacred ground. So no, it, almost, yeah. it has to be like an old yeah. stadium. That, that's why the three I mentioned, that's, they're really the only three that came to mind. Yeah. Well, tell us what else you think. You can tweet at us, uh, hashtag BYUSN, for more sacred ground (laughs) as far as athletic fields go for BYU. Now, our question of the day, which we also would like social media responses from, centers on Zach Wilson and his success last season with BYU. In your opinion, does what Zach Wilson did and the success he brought for BYU football increase the pressure on this year's BYU starting quarterback? Tell us why or why not. Let's go to Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. Thomas Gordon answers on Twitter, I think so. Our coaches and players now understand without a doubt the importance of a strong quarterback to rally around thanks to Zach. Nobody's expecting Zach 2.0. Don't say nobody. But BYU needs above average quarterback play to raise the game of other pieces on the team. Football is so much about quarterbacks. Right. Just like baseball is about pitching, Jason. Like, if you have an elite pitching staff in baseball, you're going to be awesome. Yep. And if you have an elite quarterback in football, there's a great chance your team's going to be awesome. It's just how it works. So, man, again, innately, there's just pressure there, especially at BYU. All right, coming up, is Zach Wilson the biggest playmaker in the upcoming NFL draft? And we talk with the man who started the Zach Wilson hype train, Cam Miller of SB Nation. It's a busy hype train right now based on all the attention he's getting. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. BYU Baseball continues its series versus Portland tonight at Miller Park. You can watch the game at 8 p.m. Eastern on BYU TV and the app. Spencer will have the call there. You can also listen on BYU Radio. I will have the call on radio. Jason, just make sure you know what the dew point is, what the barometric pressure is. You're our weather guy in the dugout. Look, I am the pseudo-meteorologist, and I will pseudo-check into that. (laughs) We are live in Studio B on a Friday with your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play. I am Spencer Linton alongside, yes, the fabulous Jason Shepard. Joining us now on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline is one of our longtime friends, editor for SB Nation, and the very first guy I should point out on the Zach Wilson bandwagon. His name is Cam Meller. Cam, how does the busy bandwagon feel now that uh, you're leading a huge group of national analysts? You know, it's pretty crowded, but I do love the victory lap every now and again. I love that I told you so, but I love not having to do it. So thanks for having me back. Thanks for talking about it. It's a, it's a crowded train, and I, I love the people that try to come out of nowhere, and they're like, oh, I've been talking about Zach since December. Yeah, well, unless it's December 2018, come at me, because uh, that's when we started. <laughs> yeah, we'll wave, we'll wave the Cam Miller flag. You betcha, man. <laughs> what was it, by the way, because you have been on the bandwagon 
What was it that you saw early that really put Zach on the radar for you? The uncoachables, the moments that make you say, wow, it was the athleticism, but it mainly it's the accuracy. So those things that you can't coach, there are things from other prospects that you can coach and fix. Kellen Mond being probably the prime example. He's got some, whoa, that was bad. You can probably coach that. Zach has the, whoa, that was amazing. You can't coach that. He also has the down for down accuracy, putting balls where only his receiver will have a chance to catch it. If they come down with them or not, that's a different situation, different story. 2020 saw more of those come down uh, the positive way, but that's what he had. It was the uncoachable moments and that, that accuracy that you can't change and you can't grow on it. He has it. Cam, there have been some very strong reactions about what we feel like is a foregone conclusion that Zach Wilson will go number two to the New York Jets, specifically from BYU fans who I think wanted Zach to follow in the footsteps of Steve Young and be the next great 49ers quarterback. That's not going to happen. So how do you feel about Zach to the New York Jets at number two and the fit for him there? I'm growing a little more fond of it just because of the Sam Darnold trade. They're all in. And I think the new regime may be able to buck that trend. And if you actually go back to it there, he'll be the sixth quarterback taken in the first round. It's a really mixed bag of quarterbacks taken by the Jets in the first round. But one of them is Ken O'Brien. Really good career, derailed, obviously, by other things. Uh, And then Chad Pennington, very serviceable, lesser power, not power five back in the day quarterback. Pennington was great. He just did not have any talent around him. So if they can actually build around Zach, which it looks like they're doing, I'm growing more and more fond of, of the fit with the Jets. But let's also not forget that Steve Young didn't start his career with the 49ers. So there's also hope. Amen to that. He was rocking that amazing orange uniform in Tampa Bay. Yeah, the creamsicle so, uniform. Yeah, don't, don't forget about that, BYU fans. Great point by Cam. Well, look, here, here's the question. We all believe it's a foregone conclusion. And by all accounts, it really is. Is there any scenario that could play out where the Jets do not take Zach Wilson? What percentage do you put on them not taking Zach? It's the NFL draft. I'll never say never, but I would have to say it's less than 0.01% that they don't take him. I think they're already getting ready for memorabilia and merchandise to be sold with Wilson number one on the jersey. I think it's this is it. This is, I mean, you see Adam Schefter even at this point saying he texted Zach saying, Welcome to New York officially. So if Shefty's doing it, I got to lead, you know, believe in that and also believe in everything else I've been hearing too. So it's, you know, the draft starts at three. I think it's going to eventually start at five after we realize we got four quarterbacks going with the first four picks, but Zach is firmly entrenched in that number two, I believe. Zach has been in the conversation in large part with Justin Fields of Ohio State as who's the second best quarterback behind Trevor Lawrence. We know where you stand in that matter. We know where the Jets stand in that regard, but then there's the case of Justin Fields. Is he going to be the guy that goes at number three to the 49ers? I've seen him dropping as far as number 12 or 14. What do you think? I think it's growing steam, I think, is is that. There, there was the Mac Jones going to San Francisco, and then it was all of a sudden this past week, pump the brakes, it's not Mac Jones, and all of a sudden the public persona is, oh, yeah, Mac Jones had a couple of DUI arrests after they wanted to believe he was number three caliber. I think it's Fields has been long since the best third best quarterback in this draft class by some considerable margin. I think there's a huge drop off from 1A, 1B and Wilson Lawrence to number three. I do think, well, Fields, though, is getting probably some unfair criticism in the sense that people are saying he doesn't look off the first receiver. He's terrible on his second reads. I think there's one thing that Justin Fields doesn't do very well, and that's distinguished between defenses. He can't read necessarily as the play is going on. We noticed it in the college football playoff where he threw that ugly interception 
whether it was a receiver miscommunication or not, he does not diagnose the center field safety. So that's something that I think can be coached too. So you're looking at probably a very, very solid serviceable quarterback and the Niners should be lucky to get him. All right. So then at number four, then you have the Atlanta Falcons. Obviously they still have Matt Ryan, but he's no spring chicken anymore. So if you think the first four picks are all going to be quarterbacks, which quarterback do you think goes to the ATL? Oh, I, I don't think they could pick Mac Jones there. I think they'd have to go with the higher upside of a guy like Trey Lance. You know, you can't go from one field general and Matty Ice to uh, another field general, so to speak. So I think you go Trey Lance with the the proverbial, which I don't like, the higher ceiling in Trey Lance. I know he's got a lesser competition, but if you want him to come in and learn, that's an ideal situation for Lance to fit right there under Matt Ryan, MVP. I mean, this is not a caliber quarterback. This is a guy who led them to multiple play. I mean, he's got everything. He's going to be in the history books, top 10 passer of all time yards, touchdowns, completions. So if you want somebody to come in and learn, have a great situation, it's Lance at four. So I do think the draft will eventually wind up starting at five. NFL Draft and Football Insider, editor for SB Nation, Cam Eller with us on BYU Sports Nation. Cam, we're obviously focusing a lot on the quarterbacks for good reason. This is a wild draft that we're leading up to. And again, we're in agreement that Zach's more than likely going to go to the New York Jets at number two. But you said that you think they might build around him. The Jets have 21 picks over the next two drafts. They've got 10 this year. They just signed Corey Davis, a former number five overall pick at wide receiver. They've got Jamison Crowder. What else do the Jets need to do to help Zach succeed? They need another viable number two receiver or a slot threat. I think you need somebody that's got or going to build a good chemistry with Zach. Uh, You know, running backs are relatively replaceable. A great slot receiver is not quite as valuable as I think it probably should be in the public persona. I think another pass catcher, you can't have another, uh, you can't have too many in the NFL nowadays. It's turning into more of the college aerial assault attack, which bodes very well for Zach's game. So somebody that's going to be that third option for him to, to find when the, you know, when the play breaks down, when he's got to get outside the pocket, I wouldn't also hate a couple more offensive linemen for him to, you know, make sure he's safe. Makai Becton should be, you know, probably a pro bowler there at left tackle. So he's got the blind side already safe there with probably one of the strongest guys in the league in Becton, but another pass catcher, I mean, with how talented and how stacked this receiver class is this season, this draft class, I think a a receiver at, at either that second first round pick or even that first pick of the, or their first, second-round pick, I think, should be should go to pass catcher. You mentioned offensive line, and let's go there. Brady Christensen is a guy that wowed during the season and by all accounts improved his stock after BYU's pro day. Where do you feel he is best? Uh, where's his best fit in terms of the draft? Is he a day-two guy? I think I would be shocked if he's there in the fourth round, how much of an improvement do you think he made based off of his pro day? Oh, I think the pro day just got people looking at him a little bit harder. I don't think that there was any question in my mind that he was a top four or five tackle in this draft class. I think, you know, if he had a little bit better sort of prognosis or projection to left tackle in the NFL, we'd be talking about him at the tail end of round one. So I think day two is absolutely where Christensen goes. I think he slides to right tackle plays a little bit more there. Maybe even can play a swing tackle role. Uh, if, if this, if a team that he goes to or the fit he goes to has two starting tackles, you look at him, you know, get him a little bit stronger there, but I don't think he needs much help much more, uh, maybe a little bit better foot speed, but I mean, you train him up in the NFL and this is a 10 year starter at either left or right tackle. In my opinion, in Christensen, Cam Miller on BYU sports nation after Zach Wilson and Brady Christensen, then it becomes a really interesting conversation for all of the remaining BYU guys. You have wide receiver Dax Milne, who is a guy that maybe could be serviceable in the slot. Kairos Tonga, nose tackle. 
Uh, not to mention Chris Wilcox, who ran a 4-3-1 at defensive back. He was well off the radar before BYU's pro day. And then Matt Bushman, among others. So who's the third guy? Who's the most likely of that group of guys to be drafted after Zach Wilson and Brady Christensen? It's it's probably a toss-up, but I'd have to go with Tonga, just based upon, I mean, athletic profile. Uh, you know, I would have liked to have seen a little bit better numbers, I think, just in general, all across his the the career of his, you know, as a pass rusher, you don't want to be just a one a one technique or a, a run stuffer at the at defensive tackle. But Tonga, I think, is there. I think he's got the profile of an NFLer. But I wouldn't really be surprised at all if Wilcox slides up just because he can play special teams right away. That fills a, a need and a void. You get a serviceable. I mean, look at a guy like Dean Marlowe. He's on his second team. He was out of JMU. He just signed on after multiple years with the Bills. He was a valuable special teamer. They're, they're significantly more valuable around uh, in the NFL this time of year. So, honestly, I think Wilcox is is up there as well. But I, I'd probably go Tonga, uh, and then you move on to either one of the offensive linemen or Bushman. We were having this discussion the other day in terms of the number of BYU players that could be drafted. And it's been a long time since the Cougars have had, you know, four, maybe even five guys drafted in the NFL draft. How many do you think will be drafted in three weeks? It's tough. I, five is probably a great, maybe five and a half is a great over-under, which even then I'd probably slide up into the over. I'd maybe say six. I think we can get six at the tail end there. If you look at you, I mean, Wilson, Christensen, Tonga's going to go. Bushman will go. I do think Wilcox goes. And then if you're sitting there at the Jets in the sixth or seventh round and you have Zach Wilson's roommate and best friend with an automatically built-in amazing rapport in Dax Millen, there's your sixth person right there alone. So that's leaving out the other offensive linemen as well. So I think that there truly is hope or, or a necessity in, the, in this year's draft class that six of them could go. Uh, you're, you're speaking to the hearts and minds of BYU fans in a great way, Cam. <laughs> it's been 12 years since BYU had multiple draft picks, let alone five or six. We're, honestly, our expectations are, be, because of how things have gone, maybe four would I'm be great. A minimum of four. That's kind of what I said, a minimum of four. And if you get five or six, you're, you're throwing your hands up in you know, joy. Okay, so at here, this point, I, I could see it four and a half as the over under, and I, right. I, I'm happy laying odds on the over there. Okay, I love it. I love it. Uh, I, you may need some time to think about this next question, but who's the next BYU guy that could follow somewhat in the shoes of Zach Wilson and be the next star that you're ahead of the curve on uh, compared to all the national analysts? A guy, a guy that I, is going to be an NFL guy that isn't right now. I need no time. It's Peyton Wilgar, 100% three-down linebacker, absolutely day two draft pick right now, improve his draft stock. This is a guy the NFL needs, can cover, can stuff the run, can cover though, but not just cover, covers running backs, tight ends, and I mean, line him up against a slot guy. I think he's athletic, more athletic than he gets credit for. So Wilgar absolutely is that three-down linebacker in today's NFL. I love it. Wow. Get this man some BYU gear. <laughs> Rock that, baby. Let's go, Cam. Peyton Wilgar, the next guy. He's, he's, he's ahead of the curve on this one. I like it. Hey, look, the track record's been pretty good so far, yeah. which, by the way, since obviously we've talked about you've been on the, uh, on, ahead of the curve on a lot of this, where can people find your stuff? Oh, it's pretty easy. Just Cam Meller at Twitter, at Cam. Meller, M-E-L-L-O-R, pretty easy to find most of it there. That's my uh, the freedom to talk about what I want to talk about. The day job, <laughs> sort of, I have to do what I have to do. But this, the freedom where you get these opinions is, uh, is on Twitter the easiest way. Hey, we appreciate the time as always, my friend. Great insight. Uh, and choo-choo, let's go. <laughs> 
Dude, I've been driving this train for a while. It's not getting boring, I tell you that. <laughs> you got it. Cam Miller on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. When you asked that question, where did you think he was going to go? I honestly didn't know. I, I thought Isaac Rex. Okay. That was the first person I thought of was Isaac Rex. Okay. Yeah, I really didn't know. I mean, there are a handful of guys, but he's I need, I need no time. It's Peyton Wilgar. No question. Yeah, asked. emphatic. He needed absolutely zero time to think about that. I love Very it. Very nice. Day two pick right now. Absolutely. That's pretty impressive. All right, coming up, BYU Baseball's Mitch McIntyre will join the show. And will the Death Star, or the football stadium equivalent thereof, become the new Lavelle Edwards Stadium South? This is BYU Sports Nation. This segment of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Visible Supply Chain Management. Catch the latest BYU Sports Nation right now with Kiki Solano. It's BYU Sports with a social media twist. Catch the latest episodes on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. He is Jason. I am Spencer, and this is BYU Sports Nation on a Friday. Let's whip it. The Cougar Whip Around presented by Visible Supply Chain Management, tackling America's most challenging shipping problems. All right, tickets for the BYU-Arizona season opener for football go on sale to the general public. On April 16th, so that's next week. Will Allegiant Stadium become what Sam Boyd Stadium was, at least we referred to it as, as the new Lavelle Edwards Stadium South? It's going to take a number of wins before we can officially dub Allegiant Stadium Lavelle Edwards Stadium South. But I think win number one is going to happen in early September, Jason. BYU is going to get off to a great start and be the first college football game played in that stadium. Let's go. Look, it worked out well when they were the first uh, football game played at uh, Jerry's World back in the day in 2009 yes, against Oklahoma. Look, uh, I'm going to say yes, but and I think at least I always interpreted the Lavelle Edwards Stadium South, not just because of the wins, and those certainly came. It was because it was always a dominant BYU crowd. I don't see that changing even with a new venue, so I'm going to say yes. Just a question of how many fans they will allow in. Is it going to be a full capacity crowd? Well, it doesn't matter. Will things be okay by that time? Well, whatever the capacity is, I still expect the majority of whatever capacity to be BYU fans. This is wherever you go. And I'm thinking about Houston specifically. BYU's road trip to play against the Cougars in Houston. There were over 5,000 BYU fans in a stadium. They were only allowing like 10 to 12,000 people in. That's amazing. All right, on to Zach Wilson. Field Yates of ESPN says the following about Z-Dub, quote, He is the most exciting playmaker at the QB position in the 2021 draft. Jason, that's more so than Justin Fields, more so than Trevor Trevor Lawrence, Lawrence. Trey Lance. Would you agree with that comment? Most exciting playmaker. I, I, yes. And look, I understand by saying yes, we're going to be viewed as homers on this. Because of Trevor Lawrence and the obvious talent that he is. But in terms of exciting playmaker, I've seen Zach Wilson make more exciting plays. And those ones that turn your head, that doesn't take anything away from what Trevor Lawrence has done. He's phenomenal. And he's going to be fantastic with the Jaguars. But exciting playmaker... Yeah, I'm giving that to Zach Wilson. This is all based on what Zach Wilson does when the play breaks down. It has nothing to do with comparing Zach Wilson to Trevor Lawrence as an overall quarterback. When you talk about playmakers, it's when there's chaos on the field, who's the guy you want trying to make the play? And more so than Lawrence, 
Fields, Lance, Mac Jones, Zach Wilson is clearly the guy that thrives the most in chaos. Mark Sanchez called him Brett Farvish yesterday. Is Brett Favre a playmaker? Yeah, just a little bit. Doesn't you throw ugly passes? What you just get the job done when he, when there is chaos? Zach Wilson is the guy that makes plays. So yes, that is an accurate statement. Top drawer soccer named Michaela Coolahan the fourth best player in the nation. How lucky is BYU she decided to stay for another season because she was drafted into the NWSL. Can we quantify how fortunate BYU is? Good gravy. The only way I can think to do this is if we discuss the best player from each team currently on campus. Gabby Garcia-Fernandez for BYU Men's Volleyball. Uh, Yeah, BYU would be lucky to have him back for another year. Alex Barcelo, BYU Basketball will be lucky to have him back for another year. Michaela Coulihan is on the Zach Wilson level. So if Zach Wilson came back for another year, that's the equivalent of having Michaela Coulihan stick around. No joke. Yeah, she is amazing, and there's a reason why she was drafted as high as she was as a professional. So whenever she decides to go, she's going to have a long career. Yeah, BYU, very fortunate to have her on the roster currently. She's going to get a significant look and a serious look at maybe playing with the U.S. Women's National Team. All right, BYU baseball, 5-5 five and five in West Coast Conference play. 9-16 and 16 overall. They dropped game one to Portland last night. It's still early in the conference season, but Jason, does BYU baseball have to win the final two games against the Pilots? Look, I, I say this because I know this is how they're thinking. Yes, they feel like they need to win these. Look, I had mentioned on the broadcast, Coach Littlewood said that the game at Santa Clara, the third game where BYU dropped the first two, was a must-win game. So if that's a must-win game, I, I think they view these, these next two, especially after dropping last night. You want to win the series. You still have an opportunity to do that. That's possible if you get tonight and then you can go into tomorrow with an opportunity to do just that. Think about this. The conference winner and the NCAA tournament auto bid winner is probably going to have to win 18 games in WCC play. BYU's 5-5, five five, which means they have to go, I think, 13-4 and four over the next 17 games, Jason. So, yeah, it's not technically a must-win, but it feels like BYU has to win the series if they have any hope of winning the conference. It's a big, big game. All right, the NCAA, and we talked about this earlier, says, quote, due to pandemic-related related restrictions and the format this year, uh, they will not be providing live commentary slash coverage of the first two rounds of the NCAA Women's Volleyball Tournament. Is this another instance, like the weight room fiasco, of the NCAA doing women's sports wrong? Yes. Unequivocally, yes. This is just such a bad look. How long have they had to prepare for this? Jason, months ago, they trunked the tournament from 64 to 48 teams so that they could better figure out these type of scenarios. Now you're not going to broadcast the first two rounds? There aren't very many things that bother me a lot and kind of get me riled up. This riled me up last night. I think this is totally bogus. It's sad. It's unfair to the women who have worked so hard to be in this position. They deserve the spotlight, and the NCAA is not going to give it to them. I think this is bogus. Yeah, this is ridiculous, and the reasoning that they have given does not hold water, in my opinion. As you mentioned, they've had plenty of time, and they've had other entities that have given them the blueprint on how to handle stuff like this. Look, even if it's not the best coverage, there's an opportunity to have coverage of something. these. Something. Something. It, it just, their, their reasoning behind this doesn't hold water to me. I'll volunteer my efforts right now.
I'm not even kidding. If the NCAA said, hey, would you be able to be willing to do remote broadcasts from Provo and broadcast games? Yes, I would do it. It's not hard. No. Like They can figure it out, but it's too late. It's just such a bad look. All right, coming up, our rise and shout out to a BYU football player helping by telling his story. And we just mentioned BYU baseball game day and the importance of the Batcats showdown with the Pilots tonight. Mitch McIntyre, talented outfielder, is going to join us next on BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. The best of BYU Sports Nation airs Saturdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on BYU Radio and is on the podcast feed featuring the best conversations and interviews from each week. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation live from Studio B on a Friday. Joining us now, our second guest of the day on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline is talented BYU baseball outfielder, one of those senior leaders, Mitch McIntyre with us. Mitch, welcome to BYU Sports Nation First and foremost, I just want to give you a healthy dose of BYU Sports Nation karma. We typically wait until the end of the interview to do this, but we're sending the good mojo now, man. We want to start this with high energy so that you can go out and ball out tonight. Yes, I love that. Thanks for having me, guys. I really appreciate it. Now we Need that no- karma. You bet. We noticed that uh, there's something different about you today. In fact, Jason pointed it out yeah, over the break. Yeah, last <laughs> night you have the mustache, but now no mustache. So what, what's the deal? No, I'm glad you noticed. No, I felt like when I was growing it out, maybe it was a losing mustache, didn't have the, you know, the best mojo in it. So I figured shave it, get rid of it. And then uh, we get that win tonight and maybe I'll grow it back, get the wind mojo in it. So yeah, I'm excited. So, so between, so between getting rid of the mustache, the BYU Sports Nation karma, can we expect like four for four, five RBI and two home runs tonight? (laughs) Yes, sounds like it. Yes. Okay. And we'll, Definitely. We'll, we'll take a win, just regardless. You know. Yeah. However it comes, just oh, the yeah. dub. That is all. That's all anybody wants. Mitch, you uh, yeah. you do a lot Seriously. of work in the outfield. Uh, you, you played center field last night. I've seen you a ton in left field. Which position do you prefer, and why? Um, I mean, I definitely love center field. You know, just getting to see the whole field and everything. But, I mean, I also love playing left field. So, you know, wherever I can be out on the field is where I enjoy the most. Um, if I had to say one, though, it would be for sure center field. But, but, yeah. Is it because the sun doesn't glare into your eyes for like an hour and a half in center field? <laughs> oh, my gosh. I'm not kidding you. Those first innings on the 6 o'clock games, they are brutal as heck. I mean – you can't even see anything. You're just hoping that somewhere the ball will pop up if it's hit to you and you can find it. So I've definitely been on the bad part of that. But, but yeah, no, center field, love, love playing that in the, the beginning of the innings, not having the sun in my face. So obviously you roam the outfield, center field, left field, but there have also been times where in the same game, late in ball games, you, you get pulled out of the outfield and you step onto the mound uh, to pitch. From a mental standpoint, how do you make that – transition from outfield to on the mound you know it's it's kind of funny I feel like maybe not having that pitcher you know standpoint I kind of just go up there and just okay I'm gonna throw you a strike and just let let my defense work and um it's I've had success you know in the past doing that so um you know I love pitching it's super fun just going out there and try to throw as hard as you can I mean I definitely don't have 
the arm speed like the other guys on the team. But um, but yeah, no, it's it's been super fun doing that. So I was gonna say, how much fun is it? Like in one game, you get you, you got the defense, you get to hit, you get to pitch, you really get to do it all in a game. Yeah, no, I mean it's kind of funny just kind of going through all those different positions, and sometimes you know like as much as I want to warm up, I don't even get to warm up. I'm just thrown from the outfield. So um, it's kind of been interesting in ways like that, but, um, but yeah, no, it, it's been super fun and yeah, just getting to be able to pitch and trusting my defense to work. And uh, yeah, so enjoyed that for sure. Mitch McIntyre, BYU baseball with us on BYU sports nation game two between the Cougars and pilots tonight, live on the BYU TV app at eight Eastern also on BYU radio, Mitch, how do you, not only handle the disappointment of a game like last night where your team commits four errors and it feels in a lot of ways kind of gives away the game to the pilots, but bounce back and, and change things today. Where is the mental switch that you need to get into to make sure that you show up ready with a fresh and a clean slate tonight? Yeah, no, I mean, it's definitely been frustrating having those, you know, mistakes and stuff like that. But I mean, it's baseball, you get three games and, you know, that was just one of the games. And so, you know, anything can happen. And, um, you know, I'm feeling confident tonight. Um, I'm going to blame it on you guys because, uh, you know, maybe I didn't have that mojo of Sports Nation or <laughs> yes. whatnot. So, yeah. Uh, yes. so, yeah, now that we got that taken out of the way, yeah. No, I'm, I'm excited tonight, and I think it'll be a good one. You know, Mitch, what do you believe is the biggest reason why this team will be successful? I, you know, I obviously get to see – the camaraderie you guys have and the fact that you don't get too high and you don't get too low. What do you believe will be the reason why this team ultimately will be successful this year? You know, I think it's just like, you know, the team that we have together, just the group of guys, you know, um, you know, we all want the best for each other. And um, I think sometimes, honestly, it's more of we care too much in certain situations that, you know, maybe we mistake or, stuff like that. And, uh, you know, I, I think this group of these group of guys are super talented, you know, and, um, it's just a matter of kind of figuring it out and being consistent. You know, we've, we've had times like LMU where we swept the series and then, um, couldn't really keep that going. So, um, you know, we're going to figure it out tonight and it's just going to keep going forward. And, you know, um, you know, there's a lot of baseball left, so I'm excited to see what, what happens. Mitch, as you think about, the hitting specifically, things have not been as productive in years past. And you've played on some great BYU baseball teams that have put up a lot of runs. This year, that, that has not been the case. Where, where does it start or need to start in terms of an offensive turnaround for this team? You know, I think it just needs to start from the first inning and just overall quality at bats. I think, you know, we kind of give them a couple that, um, you know, we should have battled out more or, um, just put pressure on them in, in situations like that. And so, um, you know, I think it's just a matter of putting the ball in play and hitting the ball hard and just kind of putting the pressure on them and making sure they make, you know, their plays that they need to. And, um, you know, I think we'll get some runs going and just kind of keep it going from there. So, Hey, for the record, we're all about extreme ownership and taking accountability. So uh, we will take the blame. Like you, you – now we'll, we'll put that on our shoulders. We'll yes, own this. We will carry that. Okay, yeah. We will we will deal with Coach Littlewood in that regard. It's a new season that starts tonight, Mitch. You got the mojo, you got the karma. Heck yeah. So go have a great game. We look forward to watching you play tonight at Miller Park. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys.
All right, Mitch McIntyre on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. We'll own this. We will take the ownership yeah, of I'll this. I'll bear the burden. I like it. I, win streak starts tonight. Love it. Coming up, is there increased pressure on this year's BYU quarterback because of Zach's success? Plus, a rise and shout out to a guy that's doing some amazing work with his football team mentally on BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation's Rise and Shoutout is presented by Mountain America Credit Union, guiding you forward. BYU Sports Nation always available on demand via the BYU TV and BYU radio apps. Or download the podcast, Google BYU Sports Nation podcast, and don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the show. Our question of the day, centering on Zach Wilson and his success at BYU, and as it relates to the pressure of the following BYU quarterback, whoever that starter is going to be, do you think that that pressure has increased because of what Zach did in 2020? Why or why not? Our elite voice of the day presented by Sundance Mountain Resort from Garrett W. Prince on Instagram. This season, BYU has a much tougher schedule, but the fans have tasted the wins and want more. The pressure to perform at Zach's level will be high and unattainable. Oh, so he's thinking the expectations will stay high, but there's no chance that they can reach it. 75%. 75% of what Zach did would be amazing. 30 total touchdowns, 8 to 9 interceptions. Like, if that's the mark for whoever the quarterback is or the cadre of quarterbacks combined for that, then then I think that's a great number to aim for. Look, and here's the thing. We didn't see this from Zach either, so I'm not going to say that any of these quarterbacks can't do something similar. I mean, we we didn't expect Zach to do it. Today's Rise and Shoutout presented by Mountain America Credit Union guiding you forward. Jason, you and I are combining on this one. Chaz Ayu, what, what a warrior, man. I mean, he's, he's been to the bottom. He's doing some great mental work for his teammates, speaking to uh, the guys about staying mentally healthy and engaged. Uh, he's a guy that legitimately thought about committing suicide, and, uh, and he's with us, and we're so grateful for that. Yeah, it's an important message and uh, really proud of him for what he's doing. All right, our thanks to today's guest, Cam Meller and Mitch McIntyre, BYU Baseball. Conversation continues 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. For Jason, I'm Spencer. Shout-out to Ben Saylor. We'll see you tonight for BYU Baseball at 8 Eastern on the BYU TV app.